Take that! This is Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark. This is a rebroadcast of an original episode first recorded with my father, Jeff Clark. Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and I'm joined by my father, Jeff. Hi, Theo. And this podcast, we are going to look at false compromise and false balance. And what we'll do, as we always do, is we'll start with our reading from the book. It starts. Okay, false compromise, other terms and or related concepts. Splitting the difference. Description. The advocate asserts that because he or she does not understand or accept the opponent's views, in fairness the two should agree to split the difference and arrive at a middle position. Such an approach to addressing an issue is more about mollifying the parties to a disagreement than arriving at the truth of the matter. Example. Jason Typeface and Wolfgang von Volkswagen are senior bureaucrats in the Department of Justice and they have been engaged in a protracted discussion on the wording of a sentence in their jointly authored report on police, stop, question and search powers. Jason has come to believe that police effectiveness in drug law enforcement is dependent on an absolute power to stop, question and search at their own discretion. Wolfgang believes that any questioning or search of suspects should only take place in the presence of legal representatives. They agree to split the difference and the final sentence reads Police may stop and search suspects at their own discretion but any evidence so obtained cannot be used to prosecute the subject. Comment. It is a safe assumption that neither Wolfgang nor Jason is satisfied with the compromise wording of the sentence. Neither of them actually believes that the stop, question and search policy they have come up with is the best one. Yet the reader of their report might make this assumption that the view expressed is a consensus reached by the authors. To avoid this misperception, Wolfgang and Jason should make it clear in the wording of their report that their conclusion is a compromise rather than a consensus position. Their compromise then would be open rather than concealed. There is a more intellectually respectable alternative to an open compromise. Wolfgang and Jason could be quite explicit about their disagreement and make it clear that they came to different conclusions as a result of their study. They could indicate that they have agreed to disagree and they could state their separate conclusions. This would then leave it up to the decision makers who read the report to decide on a final policy. This alternative would be the one favoured by the seeker after truth. If they adopted this approach, both Jason and Wolfgang would preserve their integrity and they would be free to argue vigorously for their own favoured position. This approach is common in public documents such as reports or parliamentary inquiries where a minority report is commonly included when consensus cannot be reached. Part of the problem with this issue is the emotional loading associated with the term compromise. In almost all contexts where the word is used, it carries either a positive or negative connotation. 
in the context of peace talks, industrial negotiations, negotiations and the like, to compromise is to put aside selfish considerations in the interest of a fair outcome. In the context of principled decision-making, for a person, a person who compromises is often seen as morally deficient. Seekers after truth are always prepared to entertain the possibility of a compromise. But in doing so, they will be candid about differences, while putting differences aside in the interests of fostering a pragmatic and workable outcome. Okay, so false compromise is one of those ones that I think as a fallacy that it's been quite difficult to come across some really obvious examples like the example we've found in the book. I think it, it tends to happen in really complex issues uh, where, you know, when you get a lot of stakeholders involved. So, for example, if you have a really um, big organisation and initially you might come up with a policy paper or some principal position that you're going to take. So we're going to take this position. But then getting the nitty-gritty details of how that's enacted, so in governments and so on, means all these different stakeholders, different groups get involved. So you have to start making these compromises. And so what can actually end up happening is the initial plan, which in itself, if it was enacted as it was intended, possibly might have worked. But then when you have to do these kind of compromises, the actual initial vision or the initial plan gets lost in that. And so you end up with this kind of half-assed job um, that gets done, which doesn't actually work to anyone's benefit, however everyone, anyone um, intended it to work. And so that, to me, is a, the kind of examples that you commonly come across with false compromise, but they're, because they're so complex, complex and they don't happen in one argument, they tend to happen over a period of time. It's, it's not really a fallacy that I've really actually come across a lot uh, in, you know, since we've been writing about them on the web and so on. I think um, an, an alert to the possibility of a, a false compromise is where um, a written plan or some description of an approach that people are going to take to some issue uh, really sounds uh, a bit like a dog's breakfast. Mm. Um, if, if it sounds like a dog's breakfast and, and it, it lacks consistency and, uh, and so on, it's probably the result of a false compromise. So... Uh, to, to put it very simply, if, if, for example, people are engaged in discussion about, um, for example, how to mitigate uh, floods in the future in a particular region, you might have one group come up with option A uh, and another group comes up with option B, and both appear possibly feasible, but you can't get agreement, so you come up with option C, which is a mishmash, uh, and then the next flood comes, and nobody's quite sure... Um, which aspect of option, option C failed. So it could uh, be something like, um, oh, we need to build a dam wall that's 10 metres high to stop it. The other group says, no, we don't want a dam, so they build one that's 5 metres high. Flood goes over the top. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the point is really that, that if, if you go firmly for option A and then the flood comes and, and it proves to be ineffective, then you can go firmly for option B, which is the other clear option, mm. and see whether that works. Whereas if you go for option C, which nobody's really happy with, um, and it looks like a dog breakfast, um, you're not really trialling either of the two clear mm. options. Yep. You're coming up with a with a messy one that, that nobody's happy with, and really you can't, in the end, get the empirical answer 
as to whether option A or option B were the better options. Yeah, I think that's that's um, a really good point. And the other... so, But in saying that, you know, there are some pretty clear-cut examples where option A is the right one, option B is the wrong one, and then they come up with an option C that is completely wrong because their initial option B was wrong anyway. So you just can't... And, can't, and the example that I only just re-came across this one last week, which is why I thought I would do false compromise, because I hadn't thought of it and well, hadn't seen the full details. And So a lot of listeners may have come across this before. It's called Verizon Maths, and Verizon being a, uh, a, a phone company, internet data company uh, in the US, for anyone not from the US, but I'm sure most people have heard of Verizon. And you probably heard of this one too. It was a guy ringing up to talk about his um, phone bill, or his data charges when he was travelling in Canada because he's, it was an on, on an unlimited data plan in uh, the US, but then he travelled overseas, well, not overseas, but to another country, to Canada, and wanted to use data over there, and he wanted to get a quote of how much that would cost him. They told him it would cost him, they quoted him 0.002 of a cent top for, per kilobyte, but then he ended up having to pay $71 because they charged him 0.002 of a dollar. Anyway, after much toing and froing with um, salespeople or people on the phone or whatever, he eventually got so annoyed he recorded a conversation and this is a little clip of two different people he talked to about his bill and the fact that they really can't understand maths now immediately it might not be immediately obvious how this is a false compromise and the audio clip does not have the false compromise in it but i still think it's worth reliving it because it is such a glorious example of fail Do you recognize that there's there's actually yes? Do you recognize there's a difference between those two numbers? Yes. Is there a difference between? They're both the same if you if you look at them on paper wise. No, they're not actually. So if you take point zero zero two cents, remember that cents times thirty five thousand eight hundred. $71.79. No, that would be 71 cents. How much should I be charged? By, by the way this is calculated, $71.79. You're paying two-tenths of a penny per kilobyte. Two-tenths of, hold on, hold on. Two-tenths of a penny would be 0.2 cents. You quoted me 0.002 cents. So which is the real rate? Point zero zero two, sir. Point zero zero two what? Cents per kilobyte. So you just said it was point two pennies, and then you also said it's point zero zero two cents. Those are two completely different numbers. They're one hundred fold different. Okay, George, hold on one second for sure. me, okay? This is Andrea. I'm a manager on the floor. How can Hi. Do you recognize that there's a difference between one dollar and one cent? Definitely. Do you recognize there's a difference between half a dollar and half a cent? Definitely. Then do you therefore recognize there's a difference between point zero zero two dollars and point zero zero two cents? No. I'm teaching math here. <laughs> and, 
and I, I mean, I'm trying to get what you're saying here, but it's just not. And we're talking about cents, right? Right, point zero zero two, and if we multiply that by the amount of kilobyte usage that you have. Three five eight nine three. Three five eight nine three. That comes out to what you pay is seventy one seventy nine. Cents. You never did the conversion from cents to dollars. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. Point zero zero two cents. Right. Times my thirty five thousand eight hundred and ninety three. It's is a number, but it's still in cents. We're not quoting point zero zero two dollars. We're quoting point zero zero two cents. Oh God, honestly. Well, I mean, it's obviously a difference of opinion. It's not opinion. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm gonna post this recording on my blog. And, and that's, if that's what you want to do, that's, that's fine. That's what I'm gonna do, and 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 then you guys all at Verizon can learn. You shouldn't laugh at that, but it's just so, it's just astounding. And the whole thing, if you haven't heard it, go to his website, and I'll put a link to it, but it's Verizon Fail, or verizonmath.blogspot.com, and that's math, the American way, M-A-T-H, um, .blogspot.com, and listen to the whole, it's like 26 minutes of pain, years of conversation with these different people trying to explain the maths to them, and uh, it is, it's just speechless. Just, just a warning to any math phobics out there, uh, it's probably not a good idea to listen to it because um, while you'll understand that there's conflict between the two parties, um, if your maths also is bad, uh, you won't really understand if the If your maths is that bad, then seriously email me and I'll cheat you a little bit. Like, I'm a maths teacher, so I'm happy to help. But, um, but no, there actually is a little bit of false compromise there when, she, when the woman goes, oh, it's a difference of opinion. It's like, no, it's not. One is factually correct, the other is not. It's not a difference of opinion. You are wrong, <laughs> you know. And, and I, I also uh, remember them offering um, the customer a half price. No, yeah. that's 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 sorry. That's what we're going to talk about now, oh, okay. which is yeah. Right. So so on the website, which was in the audio clip, he he posts an email uh, that he finally got when he, when he got because he, he got a lot of hits. You know, I think Boing Boing and some big websites linked to his site. And he, he, they finally kind of caved in a little bit. But anyway, here's the email he got, and his name is George uh, Vaccaro, and the email goes, Dear George Vaccaro, Hi George, my name is Nikki, and I understand your frustration regarding the data charges on your bill. I am happy to assist you today. I sincerely apologise for the inconvenience and confusion this has caused. Per the remarks in the account, I have found that the customer service representative provided the correct pricing information. However, due to the miscommunication, I'm willing to credit half of the data charges, which would be minus $36. Please reply to this email uh, if you would like to accept this offer. It has been a pleasure assisting you today, and we appreciate your business. Should you have any additional questions or concerns, please reply to this email. Sincerely, Nikki, Verizon Wireless Customer Service. And then her signature is, we never stop working for you. So there's a perfect example. So if you know the background again, by what he was quoted, which was 0.002 cents per kilobyte, and he used like 36, 37,000 kilobytes, he owed them 71 cents. The actual data rate they actually use is 0.002 of a dollar, so i.e. a tenth, of, two tenths of a cent. Therefore, by that rate, yeah, it was $71, but he wasn't quoted that, and they could not understand the difference. So she, even the fact she says, 
the inconvenience and confusion. What confusion? What is, sorry, there's confusion, but what what um, uh, oh, miscommunication? The miscommunic. There's no miscommunication there. You did not understand the maths of it. Simple fact is, your times that by two cents. It point zero zero two of a cent. He owed them seventy one cents. It's a false compromise to say, oh, we'll split the difference. No, you're wrong. It's 71 cents. Well, if you read between the lines on her statement that, you know, there's been confusion, it's almost implying there's been confusion on both sides. Mm. Uh, and that's why the false compromise of <coughs> dividing the bill in half, um, because if there was confusion on both sides... Yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. That might be something reasonable to do, but in this case there was a confusion only on one side. And continued confusion, which is the worst bit. Anyway, the the, the, long, the short, the the long and short of it is, he ended up not having to pay, like he paid you seventy one cents or whatever it was, because they finally backed down, because um, he told them where to go. Um, you know, the massive negative publicity, and then there were so many more examples of people having the same problem, including, you know, they said they'd fix it up, and so then he asked people, okay, you know, in a month later ring them up, find out what the rate is, and other people recorded them quoting still 0.002 cents. And, you know, people saying, so hang on, 0.002 cents or 0.002 dollars? And no cents. You know, so the same problem happening over and over again. So it is pretty appalling. But that was such an obvious example of a great attempt at false compromise. Didn't end up being one because he told them where to go quite correctly. Um, so moving on from false compromise, now one that definitely occurs a lot, which I, which we don't have in our book, but I think again this is a fallacy we'll have to pay a bit more attention to, is the false balance fallacy, and that is where if there is two sides inverted commas of an argument, you say okay, well let's bring up what person A, an expert in this area, and then person B who disagrees with them, and get them to argue about. It. That's giving proper balance to a story. You know, every story has two sides. The whole idea that that will. Sometimes they don't have two sides, you know, so that's just a kind of a factoid that apparently is out there in journalism. Every story has two sides, you know, some can have three or four or five, some can have one. You know, some things just are. You know, maths, two plus two equals four, there are no two sides to that, that's just is. So in science, especially in science reporting and medical and health reporting, they kind of think they have to show both sides of the story. Well, no, if 99.9% of scientists all think X, and there's one crank who thinks why, and then they show X and Y together, that gives the impression that the scientific community is split evenly, when in actual fact, the journalist probably spent 30 minutes at the most finding someone who agreed with the, you know, the X, and then spent a week trying to find someone doing the opposite, because it was impossible to find someone who, who was on that side of view, but then the viewer gets the impression that the, the issue is split, so things like um, immunisation are a great one, so they get the the medical community, they're backed up by data, all the governments agree, all the research agrees, and then they get the crank who doesn't agree, and then you as a viewer, if you don't know anything about it, you're left with the idea, oh, they're split. And, you know, you think, oh, and so the other example I think a lot happens is the creationists in the US want to teach the controversy, and like there's some, there's no scientific controversy there, so it's giving that idea of false balance. So I've got a really good example. This isn't of um, false balance. It's of someone talking about false balance and summing it up really nicely, I think. And they'll have this all the time with medical stuff on the television. You'll have a doctor on and they'll talk to the doctor and be, oh, doctor this and doctor that, and what happened there, and doctor isn't it awful, right? And then the doctor will be talking about something with all the benefit of research and medical evidence, and they'll turn away from the doctor in the name of balance. 
and turned to some quack witch doctor, homeopath, horseshit peddler on the other side of the studio. And it is just one of these, it's one of these like, ridiculous things. Like, you never see that balancing with really, really hard science. You never see it with like, physics. Like, you never see like, a guy on talking from NASA about a space station. They go, oh, Mr. NASA guy, you're, you're a new space station. And they talk and then they go, right, but that's very interesting. But for the sake of balance, we must now turn to Barry, who believes the sky is a carpet painted by God. <laughs> Barry, what do you think of this space station plan? Well, it's clearly ridiculous. What are they going to do? Hook us onto the carpet? <laughs> you're absolutely right, Barry. You're very right. You're very right. You really are. Is worth watching, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if you haven't seen that clip by Dar, it's by Dar O'Brien, he's a comedian, and watch the whole thing because the whole thing is very funny. But I'll just bring out the bits about false balance. So, I think that I mean, you think he sums it up perfectly there, and, and that's one of the techniques we use all the time is going to the extreme example to point out how absurd it is, reductio ad absurdum, whereby he picked an extreme example and it just immediately made it clear like when it's black, when it's that complicated stuff or stuff that really. Really, there's a lot of evidence in one direction and the other. If you believe you're a flat earther, you don't bother talking to them about the space station because it's just obviously a waste of time. The thing that struck me, um, having watched that, is that there is a an actual uh, an opening here for someone such as myself to make it known to television stations, radio stations and the like that I'm available to put the other side of the argument if they only have one expert on and uh, it's just so simple. I, I'm, I'm basically a contrarian. So I would go on second. After the expert had spruiked for 15 minutes or so, uh, they'd ask for my opinion, and I would say, well, that's just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and I could get paid for it. Yeah, well, that, but that's the thing. No, but the thing is, being, a gun for hire. being relatively clever means you could actually come up with some good counters to most of it anyway, like knowing fallacies, I mean, my God, you'd be, the fallacy thing would make it so easy, you'd be saying, oh, you've just been brought up by the government, you know, or Big Pharma, you know, any of the conspiracy stuff you could whip out, it'd be so easy. I, I think on Australian TV, yeah, probably just the, just that's bullshit. That'd be plenty, yeah. Would probably yeah, be yeah. plenty. Yeah, he's a wanker, this guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Isn't what a yeah, wanker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, and, but that to me actually does, the, the, in terms of the, the false compromise type idea, the false balance is really um, prevalent. It's like journalism 101 or something, sorry, I shouldn't say journalism, reporting 101. Uh, you're a reporter, they must teach you at school to, okay, you found out this guy, now find someone who finds the opposite view. It, it, it just seems to be the default go-to thing, and it's just... Yeah. Um, a lot of the time it's the opposite. It's the token sceptic comes on and gets two seconds. So half the time when they do the balance, it's, a, it's actually the balance is inverse because it's, it's more sensational to get the whack job out there talking and then have the ten-second grab of the sceptic. Uh, the other thing worthy of note is, um, that I've picked up is that it's, it's the availability of the contrary uh, person that's, that's critical. So I, I know people have set up landlines to their own home so they can be interviewed on each, any topic under the sun um, and be the sort of go-to man for Channel 9 if they want some opinion um, expressed that's contrary to the opinions being expressed by the expert. So there, there are, I mean, I, I was joking before about a contrarian for hire, but these people do exist, and I've seen the same faces again and again 
across a range of topics that they couldn't possibly have an expertise across the whole range. So there's one person, for example, who comments on anything to do with the Middle East, Far East, um, Um, Near East, um, and at highly specific levels. And when you listen to his commentary... You realise he's just read the morning news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, what's he, I'm trying to think. Keith Suter, is that Keith Suter. Keith Suter, yeah, yeah. Keith Suter. And the other one they always love getting, Michael Carr, Greg. Yeah. He's the other one. It's like the go-to guy. I'm a media's heart. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and you just think, yeah, because they've got their number on speed dial. It's lazy. They've, it's absolute, they've absolutely got... And that's actually... Some, so there are some good organisations out there now. Um, I think it's Sense About Science in the UK. And I think there's another one in the US starting up all soon where they actually do have a list of actual experts... For specific topics, mm. and the one in the US, I'm sure I heard on a podcast, maybe it was on Skeptic of the Universe, one of those ones, um, and they things like movies. Like if in a movie you want to find out about X, you can call these guys, and they will give you the right guy to talk to. You. So not some general um, person who can just speak crap anything, but an actual expert you can talk to that's mm. been vetted by this group. And I think that's a good to have those middlemen that actually mm. not because once they find one, why? Why from their point of view, it's easy to see the same guy. It serves mm. the same the same purpose. But yeah, that that is. Uh, I mean, you just after a while, you just think, oh, you know, it's a lame, the lame commentator, basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we go from this podcast, uh, we've got some um, feedback from a listener, Matt, um, and I actually this one almost stumped me a bit. Actually, it was. It's kind of obvious. It's one of those questions. That the answers. Well, the thing is, the bad argument is obviously a bad argument, but it actually put my finger on what it was. It was actually a bit tricky, but anyway. Um, Matt emailed, and he said, uh, Hey, guys, must say you have a great podcast. I only started listening to the podcast and wrote a review for you. Um, but then I heard episode 16 um, about the competition for iTunes, but oh well. Uh, but anyway... Um, I have a question about a logical fallacy uh, that I don't know what it's called or even if it is one. As I've just started listening to your podcast, you might have covered it already. So if so, please tell me. I'll take a listen while we haven't, Matt. The argument goes something like this. The believer says, I went to get healed last night at a psychic t- by a psychic touch healer. And I say, did it actually do anything? As all the research uh, shows, there's no obvious effect. Believer says, well, there must be something to it. People wouldn't just make it up out of thin air. All fantasy comes from something that is real. Me? Uh. So basically people say things like, it must have some element of truth as it wouldn't have come out of nowhere. Can this be applied? This, this can be applied to various things such as the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts or anything else really. I guess this is a false premise, but wasn't sure if there's a logical fallacy for this argument. Thanks for your time, Matt. So... I don't, have you had a chance to look at things about this one yet? Yes, I, I, I had a look at it, and I thought, uh, not so much naming the fallacy, but um, thinking of a, a very good counter-argument to that kind of proposition that there must be some truth in it. If, if for example, you go back to barbaric uh, medieval practices um, and say, well, She's look... a witch! They used to drown witches. <laughs> um, uh, so are you saying... That there that must be some truth. There must be yeah. some truth in that. Um, so you can always find an example that demolishes that the substance of that argument. Yeah, so substitution. So if you, that's, we talk about this on the website. So have a look in the hunting humbug technique, substitution, where you pick another, the exact same logic, but pick another example that you know that, or you're pretty certain they would also disagree with. 
And so in that case, so they might, of course, go, yeah, witches are true too, because it sounds like this top person would. But you could definitely pick, you know, so my argument would be, you know, also oh, Star Trek's a documentary, is it? You know, so that kind of thing, which I always assumed it was, actually. Um, but, yeah, so those kind of things. Well, to me, anyway, it's obviously a non-sequitur and that it doesn't follow. It just doesn't follow that if someone believes something, it's got to come from some kind of truth. Well, no, why? Um, uh, and so in a general sense... You could say all fantasy comes from something that's real because it comes from human imagination, and human imagination is real, but not in the, in the way that the intent with which they mean that. Um, but I actually really like the actual false premise because that's what I think it is. I think the premise is that um, all uh, fantasy comes from something that is real. That's a false premise because you haven't established that premise is true. No, I just say, no, I disagree with that. What do you mean all fantasy comes from me? If you want to tell me that that premise is true, you need to give me evidence for that premise. So that, that, in a sense, I actually think, Matt, you did nail it. It is a false premise. The other thing, I think, it does really sound like wishful thinking and also even another argument, another another uh, term you might give it is something like appeal to fantasy, whereby they're actually appealing to the fact that it's a fantasy as the basis for believing it for some strange reason. So, you know, all fantasy comes from something, therefore it must be true. It's like, well, no. So, but I, I actually think false premise probably is the best name for that because that's what it is. It's a, it's like a non a non sequitur can actually come from a premise that is correct, but then the link to the conclusion is incorrect. So it does not follow from the conclusion. Sorry, it doesn't follow from the premise that your conclusion is correct. That's a non sequitur. Whereas the opposite would be the false premise where you actually, if the premise is true, the conclusion is true. So the logic is right there, but the premise isn't true. So I actually think false premise in this case, if, if assuming the logic makes sense. So um, I think you probably nailed it there, Matt, so good job. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think um, it also comes within the general category of, of folk beliefs. Um, and uh, folk beliefs do come from somewhere, but folk beliefs can have had, uh, have had the most tragic consequences in historical uh, periods that we know about. So fake beliefs can be useful. For example, uh, um, some possible herbal remedies for uh, infections uh, may in fact work. Um, and so there might be a woman in the village who has this belief and it might in fact work. But fake beliefs can also be shocking. I saw a program not that long ago on Nigeria where the there witches, was a fake yeah. belief that all, all, all illness was caused by witches and black magic spells and so the task in the village was to find the witch and then either murder them or banish them yeah. from the village. And well, we is, talked about that, remember, horrendous. after we went to the, um, the, the, yeah. the Mind Body Wallets Festival. Mm. And, yeah, and there was been follow-up from that. I don't know if people have seen, because one of the guys who... Uh, Nigerian sceptics, Leo Igwe, I think is how you pronounce his name... Um, he's part of the rationalists or whatever in Nigeria, and they were holding a, um, a meeting about it. I don't know if people have seen this on YouTube, look it up. And they, one of those groups that was, it was one of the groups founded by the, that evil bitch of a woman that, that actually runs it. Like 200 of them stormed him, and, and I don't know if they, how badly they beat him up, but they did actually beat him up and stuff, and went in there and they're all shouting. And you just think, oh my god. Mm. You know, so th this is one of the reasons why these kinds of thinking skills need to get out there, is because of those kinds of. Um, beliefs when they actually take over can actually be really quite dangerous. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I don't want to end on that 
sad note, which I have, but well, anyway, a nice note. There might be a bit of a delay for the next podcast because I'm expecting my second child and Jeff, Dad's second grandchild, might be a little while, but although you're probably used to that by now, our listeners, because we're only putting out a podcast once every three weeks or two weeks at the, at the best. But yeah, there might be a bit of a delay between this podcast and the next one. So um, until next time, goodbye. Um, just one final thing. We'll be interviewing my wife, Thea's mother, and uh, Thea's wife, my daughter-in-law, um, about the notion of, um, of pain during childbirth. And we take the view that there is no pain at all or discomfort, my son and I. Uh, I, I think and you might have... I, 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 I don't take that view at all. That is your view. You're on your own, buddy. Oh, all right. Perhaps we might leave that one alone. <laughs> So that was a rebroadcast episode of Hunting Humbug 101. For more information about the show and the book, Humbug the Skeptic's Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Deceptive Arguments, head to www.skepticsfieldguide.net. <laughs>